God's expectation of fathers. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, when I think of training, I think of football. I like football. I think of football. And what do you do? You train and you practice day by day by day for what? The game. Well, we're supposed to train our children so that when they are old enough and they're living life, then they can succeed and win in life. That's part of what we're supposed to do is train them, but also train them in the instruction of the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean, fathers, you have to have Bible study every night, although that's not a bad idea. But it's training them and teaching them how to know him, how to have a relationship with him, how to talk to him, how to hear him. Tim Russert, who we heard a lot about in the news lately with his passing, he's talked a lot about his father. And he said that his dad didn't preach him a sermon. He lived a sermon. Think about that a minute. We dads are great at preaching, but are we living it? His dad lived in such a way that it stood out among other men. It preached a sermon. Proverbs 22.6 Train a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Train. That's that word again. Train. Train. In the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, yes, I believe all children are to be trained in the way of the Lord, but it says in the way he should go. Not all children have the same bent. Not all children have the same calling. And we're supposed to train our children in the way that child is supposed to go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Fathers, we're called to train up our children the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not turn from it. So five needs of dads. Companionship, respect, know how to face temptation, to not be foolish, and to remember God expects you to be a dad. We guys are wired in such a way, if we know that we're going to be held accountable, it motivates us. And God's holding you accountable and holding me accountable for how we raise our children. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings us his message entitled, The Five Needs of Fathers. Here now is our speaker and teacher for A Word from the Lord, Dr. Foley Beach. Today is Father's Day, and I would like to take a few minutes and speak to the fathers among us. Now, I know uh, looking around, um, most of the congregation here doesn't, it looks like most of the congregation are not fathers. Um, So I'm going to ask you to uh, be patient with me this morning. Secondly, some of you are in situations where just the whole idea of fatherhood, um, whether you've had bad experiences or you're in situations where it's very painful to even bring it up, I'm just, I'd ask you to use this time to to pray for the fathers that you know. I speak this morning as a father. I also speak this morning as a son, a son of a human father and a son of our heavenly father, just as all of you are children of God. And he is our ultimate model on what fatherhood is all about. 
Now, if we were to list all the needs of fathers, we could come up with an incredible list. But this morning, I would like to focus on five, which I think are important for our culture and our time, the, the time and history in which we live, that I think are important needs that fathers need to have in their lives and, and be met. The first need is the need of companionship. Companionship. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord had just created, and then he says, The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make you a helper suitable for him. Men were created not to be alone. The way men are made, we're made not to be alone. With the exception that some are called and have a special gift from God to singleness. Some are called to singleness by the Lord. But the majority of us are called to have a helper, to have a companion. Proverbs 19.22 says, What a man desires is unfailing love. That's the yearning of his heart, is to have unfailing love. Now, when I speak of companion, I'm speaking of a helper, a helpmate. Someone who walks along the path with you. Someone who is not just a wife, but a companion. Author Mira Chowdhury says it this way, I personally feel companionship is one of the most important aspects of a married life. From the beginning, our efforts should be directed toward the ultimate goal of being together, being a companion to each other, and being a friend to each other companion, a helpmate. The second need that husbands and fathers have is respect. Respect. That's honor, appreciation, preference, respect. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote in the letter to the Ephesians, he wrote chapter 5, that passage that we know about relationships between husbands and wives. And he concludes that passage in verse 33 with these words. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Husbands and fathers have a need of respect, a respect from their wives and a respect from their children. Now, granted, respect is earned but it's still a need that men have. William Harley in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, says this, while criticism causes men to be defensive, admiration energizes and motivates them. A man expects and needs his wife to be his most enthusiastic fan. He draws confidence from her support and can usually achieve more with her support. Respect. And yet when men come into my office for counseling about their relationship with their wives, you know what I hear the most? I've been trying to figure out how to say it, but I don't know how else to say it other than than nagging. All she does is nag, complain, criticize, put me down. Men need respect. Andy Stanley, who's a pastor and author, he, he one time opened up about his relationship with his wife 
And he said this, more important than hearing I love you from my wife is hearing I'm proud of you. I think that resonates with most men. A third need that men have and that husbands and fathers have is to know how to deal with temptation. Know how to deal with temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Apostle Paul writes this, No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Husbands and fathers, you are going to face temptation. It's part of the life in which we live. Tom Eiselman, in his book, Temptations Men Face, says that our culture today, basically, fathers will face six types of temptations. The first is to be macho. Macho. Nothing wrong with being physically fit and, and all of that, but, but, you know, the macho stuff that goes on with it. It's, it's attempting for a man. Second, he says, is sexual lust. Sexual lust. We're in a culture today where men are constantly bombarded with images that create sexual lust. You can't drive down the road. You can't look in a magazine without the advertisements. You can't watch TV. Even your email now on the Internet comes with things that provoke sexual lust, and you'll be tempted. A third temptation, he says, that's common today is the temptation to have an affair. That is to have sex with someone other than your wife. He says that in today's world that most of us will have that opportunity. It'll be a temptation. Fourth thing he says is that men will be tempted to wield power. You see, as you gain positions of leadership and you're in a leadership role, rather than using that leadership role as a servant to the Lord and to serve people, men are tempted to use that to wield power over others. A fifth thing he says is to love money, to love money. And, of course, we're bombarded with that in our culture today. We're all trying to make money, and it's real easy for that to consume men. And that's why we talk in the church about having a stewardship mindset. That is that it all belongs to God, and we're returning each week something back to him, what we call the tithe. And a sixth temptation is to be perfect, to be the perfect husband, to be the perfect father, to be the perfect employer, the perfect employee, whatever it might be, but to be perfect. He writes in his book this, he says, the words of the apostle Paul, our brother in Christ and fellow struggler, can be an encouragement to each of us. Not that I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Let us press on toward freedom in Christ. Fathers today need to know how to face and deal with temptation. This verse here, I think, gives some simple solution to that. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. The temptations that you and I face are common. It's not a surprise, and it's not a sin to be tempted. The sin is following through on the temptation. And God is faithful God is faithful. He's consistent. He's steadfast. God is always the same. He's faithful. 
He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. He knows what our maximum limit is. And sometimes we're bearing on and we think, how am I going to survive this? Or how am I going to get through to this? Or how am I going to say no to this? Or how am I going to say yes to this? Whatever it might be, he knows what our limit is. He'll not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. There's always an exit door for the temptation. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, when I'm tempted, I see the exit door. But I don't want to walk through it. It's always there. But I don't want to go through the exit door. And then he says, so that you can stand up under it. So that you can stand up, not be put down when you fall to temptation, not ruin your life because you fall to temptation, not destroy other people's lives because you fall to temptation. So a basic need of fathers today is to know how to deal and face temptation. A fourth need is to not be foolish to not be foolish. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, the writer says this, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Last week, our gospel lesson had to do with the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and there Jesus was talking about the wise man and the foolish man, and he said the wise man is the what? The one who hears the word of God and then puts it into practice. And then he says the foolish man is what? The one who hears and doesn't hear. A need of husbands and fathers today is not to be foolish. Now, I have to confess, I got the, uh, this point here from the title of a book called Ten... Ten Stupid Things Men Do to Mess Up Their Lives by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Some of y'all know Dr. Laura. Uh, She has a radio program, and I have to admit, sometimes she's pretty blunt, pretty offensive, but she knows how to lay it out like it is. And men do stupid things to mess up their lives and to mess up their families' lives. And I believe a basic need in our life as men is not to be foolish. God wants us to be wise. She applies this to parenting. She calls it stupid parenting. Believing that only women and mothers nurture children. You withdraw from hands-on parenting to assert your masculine importance, missing out on the true soul food of a child's hug. Isn't that what we're tempted to do so often? We just leave that to the wife or to the mom. And we miss out on what God has designed children to give their parents. And I like what she said there, soul food, because it does feed your soul. I want to challenge the men here to go through the book of Proverbs in the next few months and have your pen with you. And every time you see the word foolish or fool, you, you underline it. And every time you see the word wise, you circle it. And see what the Word of God has to say about being a wise person and a foolish person. A fifth need that I think is important for fathers to understand today is to remember God's expectation of fathers. 
God's expectation of fathers. If you have children, he expects you to be their father, to train them up, to grow them up. God's expectation of fathers. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, when I think of training, I think of football. I like football. I think of football. And what do you do? You train and you practice day by day by day for what? The game. Well, we're supposed to train our children so that when they are old enough and they're living life, then they can succeed and win in life. That's part of what we're supposed to do is train them, but also train them in the instruction of the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean, fathers, you have to have Bible study every night, although that's not a bad idea. But it's training them and teaching them how to know him, how to have a relationship with him, how to talk to him, how to hear him. Tim Russert, who we heard a lot about in the news lately with his passing, he talked a lot about his father. And he said that his dad didn't preach him a sermon. He lived a sermon. Think about that a minute. We dads are great at preaching, but are we living it? His dad lived in such a way that it stood out among other men. It preached a sermon. Proverbs 22.6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Train, that's that word again, train, train. In the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, yes, I believe all children are to be trained in the way of the Lord, but it says in the way he should go. Not all children have the same bent. Not all children have the same calling. And we're supposed to train our children in the way that child is supposed to go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When he is old, he is not, will not depart from it. Fathers, we're called to train up our children the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not turn from it. So five needs of dads. Companionship, respect, know how to face temptation, to not be foolish, and to remember God expects you to be a dad. Remember, God expects you. Now, why do I put that last one in there? We guys are wired in such a way, if we know that we're going to be held accountable it motivates us. And God's holding you accountable and holding me accountable for how we raise our children. I want to close this morning with a poem. And this was sent in to Dr. Laura by one of her listeners. This uh, guy had two sons. And the poem is entitled, How Many? How many? How many nights do I have, God? How many nights do I have to tuck each of my boys in bed with their teddy bears? How many times do I have left, God? How many times do I have left to lift my boys up on their shoulders before they're too big? How many more kisses, God? How many more kisses do I get to give my boys after I've tucked them in at night? How many pushes, God? How many pushes do I get to give my boys on a swing before they outgrow it? How many days, God? 
How many days of hot summer do I have left to run through the sprinklers with my boys? How many more tears, God? How many more tears of joy will I shed at the end of each day that my boys have grown? How many more times, God? How many more times will I get to lift my boys back into bed once they've fallen out? How many more years, God? How many more years before they come and lift me from the floor after I've fallen? How many, God? How many? Dr. Laura ends her chapter where this poem is listed by saying, God leaves the answer to you. How many? He leaves it to you. And I believe regardless of your stage of life and where you are on the pendulum of fatherhood, he's still leaving the answer to you. How many? Amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart, to invite Him to come and and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and to follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer, and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something and, and you refuse to do it. Why not today say, yes, Lord? Why not today do what he wants you to do? Or stop doing what he doesn't want you to do? And get your life right to him. Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day. And the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life, that you might be the person He's called you to be. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. 
On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a wordfromthelord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a wordfromthelord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.